Good morning. It's a beautiful day. We're glad you're here. So thankful that you could be with us today. We're very grateful for the visitors we have. We've got a good number of visitors with us today, and as always, we invite you to come back. We appreciate so much your willingness to come and be a part of our worship today. And we hope that the things that are said and done today will be beneficial to you. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 6 in just a moment, the passage that was read. Matthew chapter 6, as we begin, it's a beautiful day as I said a moment ago. We're very grateful for the emergence of spring. It's in the air and look forward to spring and hopefully and prayerfully we will make this a great, great spring and that we'll do everything that we can to bring glory to God in this time of year. I want you to imagine with me for a moment that you've had the opportunity to spend the last week with Jesus. You've had him as a guest in your home. And he has shadowed you everywhere you have gone throughout the week. You've had the opportunity to sit down and eat with him on a number of occasions. There have been many times throughout this week, late at night, that you have had the opportunity to talk and to discuss and experience with him great moments of learning. And you think about all the different things that have gone on over the past week. Some of the highs and lows, some of your joys and frustrations, some of your fears and anxieties. Just think about everything that you've experienced in the past week. Better yet, think about the fact that the Lord has been with you. And so at the end of the week, before you say goodbye, Jesus says to you, I appreciate so much the opportunity to be in your home. I've enjoyed every moment. It's been a pleasure for me to eat with you, to talk with you, to pray with you. But over the course of the past week, there have been some things that I've noticed in your life. There have been some things that I have witnessed firsthand. There have been some things that I've heard in your voice. And so I've got some very personal questions for you. And so on our last night together, I want to just ask you some very powerful questions about what I have seen in your life. So here's my first question to you. Why do you worry? Why do you worry? Look at Matthew chapter 6. In what we typically call the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus asked in verse 28 a relevant question, a powerful question, a poignant question. It's a question that you have to answer, and you alone. And you're sitting face to face, eye to eye with Jesus. And as he stares into your eyes, he asks you simplicity, simplistically, why do you worry? Why do we worry? What are the reasons why you worry. Jesus here identifies some reasons why people, by and large, worry in life. 
In verse 24, he identifies one of the reasons for worry as our finances. And so Jesus would say, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. He said, you cannot serve God and mammon. Many times in life, isn't it true, we worry about our financial situation? Not many people worry about having too much, but there are a lot of folks that worry about having too little. For some people, it's day-to-day, week-to-week. For some, it might be meal-to-meal. But there are people in our world today that literally worry about their finances. There's a second reason Jesus identifies for worry among people, and that is our food, what we eat. Look at verse 25. He said, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink. Let me just pause there. There are some people that worry about their next meal. By and large, we do not have that problem in the world, or rather in the nation in which we live. There are some people in our nation that are homeless, and yet many of those people, though homeless, still have food to eat. There's a third reason Jesus identifies for worry, and that is our fashion, what we wear. Again, verse 25, do not worry about, what, about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. I don't know many people that worry about their clothing. I know that fashion is a big deal in this age. There are a lot of people that are very concerned about how they look, and there's nothing wrong with being concerned about how we look. We want to look our best, and we want to wear clothes that make us feel our best. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. But for some people, they worry about what they're going to wear. In verse 28, he identifies another reason for worry, and that is our frame, our physical body. Why do you worry about clothing? Or rather, look at verse 27. Why do you worry? Which of you, by worrying, could add one cubit to his stature? The bottom line is, there are a lot of people that worry about their health, their physical and mental condition in life. It might be that you're here today and you have a lot of anxiety about about your physical condition. You're worried about this illness or this disease or this problem or that problem or potentially a problem on the horizon. And then there is a final reason that Jesus identifies for worry and that is the future. Look at verse 34. He would say, do not worry about tomorrow. How many times do we find ourselves worrying about what might happen tomorrow or next week or next month or next year? It's as if we are paralyzed by anxiety and worry. Now, I know that there are a lot of reasons why we worry. Jesus just identifies some very specific reasons that cause anxiety in life. But what the Lord is asking you today is this, why do you worry? Not why, not why does your neighbor worry? Not why does another family member worry, but why do you worry? Why are you so anxious about life day in and day out? 
Why is it that you lie awake in bed at night and you can't sleep because you're worried to death about something? Very powerful question. And there is a second question that Jesus asked. The first is, why do you worry? The second, look at verse 27. Which of you by worrying can add one cubit, a cubit being 18 inches, to his stature or height? And really what Jesus is saying in this particular passage is simply this. How productive is worry? Is worrying about whatever, and that's a broad a broad thing, but is worrying productive or counterproductive? Is worrying going to change anything in your life? Is it going to help you or hurt you? Is it going to make you better? Will it make you worse? Now imagine somebody worrying about any and everything. And there are a lot of people. In our world today, there are some of us here today. We're worried about anything and we're worried about everything. And if we don't have something to worry about, we'll find it sooner or later, won't we? Now Jesus here is really saying, is, wor is worry. Is worry going to have an impact on your physical stature in life? And the answer is no. And so really the question is, how is worry going to help you? So, why do you worry? Secondly, how productive is worry in your life? And then there's a third question. Drop down and look at verse 30. Jesus said, If God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, now listen to him. Will he not much more clothe you? Jesus is now asking another very powerful question. You worry about all these things and you worry about, quote unquote, stuff in life. But the question is, will the Lord not take care of you? Now this says something about our faith or lack thereof, doesn't it? I mean, I want you to think for a minute or two about what Jesus is asking. He has spent the entirety of this week with you. He's been your guest. And He has had the opportunity to observe your traits or characteristics. He's seen you at your best. He's seen you at your worst. He's seen you when you are extremely joyful and happy in life. He's seen you when you're hurting. He's seen the anxiety. He knows about the sleepless nights. He knows what you're dealing with and what you're battling with. And so he wants to know, 
why are you worrying? What good is, what good is worrying in your life? I mean, when it's all said and done, is it really helping? And then thirdly, he wants to know, what about your faith? I mean, isn't worry a reflection on our lack of faith? Let me share with you an account in Matthew chapter 14. And I think it helps to put into perspective what we're talking about. Specifically as it relates to our faith in the Lord. In Matthew 14, we have an account of Jesus walking on the sea. In verse 26, the Bible says, when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. And they said, it's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. And listen to what Jesus said. Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And so Peter answered and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. When Peter had come down out of the boat, and the Bible says he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to seek, he cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, now listen to what Jesus says. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Now go back very quickly and look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6. He's talking about God clothing the grass of the field. And he asks the question, will he not much more clothe you? And then here's what he says. Oh, you of little faith. Is it possible that the real problem with worry is our faith or lack thereof. Again, look at what Jesus said to Peter. Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Let me ask this question today. Why do we doubt? I mean, you think about God. Here is the almighty creator, sustainer, and redeemer of heaven and earth. And we talk about the very nature of God. And yet we doubt. We lack faith. We, like Jesus said, we worry about this and about that, about one thing and another. It's not productive. doesn't help us. It hurts us. And so Jesus is asking the question, why do you worry? He makes the comment about the lack of faith. When the apostle Peter began to sink and he cried out to the Lord and Jesus said, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Could I ask you a question today? Why do you doubt? Why do you doubt the provisions of God? I mean, you ever thought about how God abundantly blesses us? 
Think about all the things that you enjoy in this life, materially, physically, spiritually. Didn't the Bible say in Psalm 68, Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits or blessings? Didn't James say every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights? I mean, you think about all of the blessings and favors that you enjoy financially, materially, physically, mentally, emotionally, and yes, spiritually. So the Lord's asking the question, why do you doubt? Why do you doubt my provisions? Let me ask a second question. Why do we doubt the provisions of God? Why do we doubt the presence of God? You ever thought about that? I mean, we talk about God being everywhere, His omnipresence. And God is omnipresent. And we talk about how we live in this world and we feel isolated and alone and we're going through this and that and we're stressed and worried and anxious about all the things of life and we feel helpless and hopeless and we feel as if we're all alone. It's us against the world. And so in effect, what we're saying is we doubt the presence of God. Do you doubt the presence of God in your life? You know, when the Apostle Paul wrote to the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter 4, where was he? He was in prison, wasn't he? And here is the Apostle Paul in prison. He is a prisoner of the Lord. He's in chains. He is encouraging saints to rejoice in the Lord. And so in verse 5, he said, the Lord is at hand. What Paul was saying is, look, I might be in prison, but the Lord's right by me. Whatever you're facing in life, whatever your fears and anxieties might be, to understand that the Lord is right beside you. He's for you, with you, and beside you every step of the way. And so here's what Paul said, and he's writing to members of the church in the first century, and he said, be anxious for nothing. In other words, don't worry about anything. That cuts against the grain, doesn't it? Because rather than not worrying for anything, we worry about everything. And Paul said, be anxious for nothing. You don't worry about anything. All right, so how then do I offset anxiety? What's the antidote for anxiety in my life, Paul? Paul said, but in everything with prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And he said, the peace of God which passes all understanding. Could I say something today? The Lord has been with you for the past week and He has seen you day in and day out. He has mirrored every single step you've made in, in, this, in this past week. And what Jesus is saying to you is you do not have the peace that passes all understanding in your life. You don't have it. It's not there. You know why it's not there? Because you worry. Because you're anxious, because you're always thinking about something, that mind just racing constantly. You ever lie down to go to sleep at night? You can't go to sleep. You ever wake up early in the morning? You start thinking about things, and before you know it, you're wide awake. You might as well just get up and get some coffee. It's, it's over, right? 
You don't have peace. Is it possible that we doubt the presence of God in our lives? I mentioned peace. Do we doubt the peace of God? How many times in theory do we talk about the peace that passes all understanding? We understand that as New Testament Christians, we have peace with God. That's what Paul said in Romans chapter 5. And we talk about having the peace that passes all understanding, but the bottom line is, the hard truth of the matter is, we do not have the peace that passes all understanding. We don't have it. And here's what's really hard. We don't have it and the Lord knows it. We just don't have it. So we doubt His peace. It might be that we see others and we evaluate their life from a distance. And in our heart of hearts, in our mind, we think, boy, I wish I had that kind of peace in my life. Could I say to you today that you can have that kind of peace? That you can have the peace that passes all understanding? I mean, you think about here is the Apostle Peter, and Peter has had the opportunity to be with Jesus on a number of occasions. He spent three and a half years with the Lord, he and the other disciples. And Peter often spoke before he thought. But Jesus here in the context in Matthew chapter 14 questions his faith. And he asked him a question that we have to deal with. Why do you doubt? Why do you doubt? Why do you doubt? Why do you worry? It's because you doubt. I mean, isn't that the bottom line? Because we doubt. Look again at Matthew chapter 6. When I look at the context here, what I have to remember is that Jesus, He knows people, doesn't He? He was a people person. Jesus had the ability to see the strengths and weaknesses of people. So Jesus here is dealing with a problem that is very real. It is a problem that you have. It's a problem that I have. It's a problem that's not going to go away overnight, but rather the way to offset worry and anxiety is a deeper faith. And the way a deeper faith is achieved in life is by spending more time with God and His Word. Because the greater our study, the greater our faith. I want you to think about what, think about what Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. So you think about what Solomon is saying. Solomon was a man renowned for his wisdom. Solomon is saying to people of all ages, 
What we need to do is learn to trust in the Lord, listen to him, with all of our heart. Again, easier said than done, right? So as Jesus tackles this problem of worry, and as he asks the question, why do you worry? What the Lord wants us to understand is we need to turn it over to him, don't we? I mean, you think about for a minute, think about all the things that you're worried about, potentially that might happen, might not happen this week. Maybe this afternoon. Maybe next week, maybe next month, maybe next year. Listen to what Jesus said in verse 34. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Do you know what, do you know what Jesus is saying here? He's saying you have more than you can say grace over today. If you're worried about tomorrow, you're just begging trouble. And I think what happens is anxiety, worry, it paralyzes us. It hurts us. It hinders us. Literally, it wears us out. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? So, how do we offset it? Faith, trust, prayer. I mean, isn't that what Paul said? In nothing be anxious, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. So what do we do? First and foremost, we spend time in His Word. We understand that God is a God who will never forsake us. God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. We always have the assurance of His presence. And then reflect upon, reflect upon the provisions that God has so bountifully blessed you with. You know, sometimes we look back at history. History is a good indicator of the future in some respects, isn't it? Have you ever gone without? How many times have I had people say to me, the Lord got me through this or that. He'll get you through it. He's done it in the past. He'll do it, he'll do it now. You've got to believe that. Spend time in His Word. Spend time reflecting upon His blessings. Spend time in prayer. Jesus spent a lot of time in prayer. And if you're struggling with worry and anxiety in your life, here's what I want to encourage you to do this week. Pray to God about it. Be honest with God. Remember what the Hebrew writer said? Let us therefore draw boldly unto the throne of grace. And the idea is that we go before the throne of God and in a very frank and forthright way, we tell God what's going on in our life. Now, He understands what's going on in our lives. But we're open and honest. We simply lay it before His throne. And we say to God, I'm struggling. I'm hurting. I'm filled with worry and anxiety. I'm trying to deal with it the best I can, but I need your help. Pray. You may be here today, and you are a chronic worrier. Somebody said on one occasion, this is the age of anxiety, and it is. What Jesus talked about 2,000 years ago is just as relevant today as the latest newspaper out on the marketplace. So learn to effectively deal with it. 
and trust in God. Pray with me. Our Father, we're thankful for your love and care. We're so grateful for all the provisions that we enjoy in this life. We're thankful for your presence. And Father, we pray that you would help us with our anxieties, fears, our worries. Help us to overcome. And Father, we pray for deeper faith. Help us to not doubt. Help us to look back, to reflect upon all the many wonderful things that you've done for us. May we never forget your blessings. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you to come to Christ. We're here today because we love the Lord. We're here today because we want to worship Him. We're here today because we want to encourage one another. If you're here this hour and you're not a Christian, what would you need to do to become a child of God? Well, the Bible is very plain. To believe that Jesus is exactly who He claimed to be, the Son of God. Jesus said, except you believe that I'm He, you'll die in your sins. John 8, 24. If you believe Jesus to be the Son of God and you would be willing to turn from a life of sin through repentance, confess His name before others, be baptized into Christ, the assurance is all of your sins will be washed away, Acts twenty two sixteen, And the Bible says God will then put you in the church. And if you're faithful until death, the promise is the crown of life. Look, life isn't easy. It can be tough. And it's a battle. And what we've got to do is rise above the struggles and trials of this life and look to a better life. And we can do that with the Lord's help. If you're here today and you're not what you ought to be as a child of God, you need the prayers of the church, won't you come as we stand and sing?